I am obviously not Kurt Witten, the senior pastor. My name is Matt Richards. I am the children's pastor. Welcome to my reality. Okay, this is every week, right, Nate? Yeah, there we go. All right. So um, this is this is what we do every single week down there. We even sing that song, don't we, Nate? Yes. All right. Yes, I will. That goes along great with today's sermon. But today, Mother's Day is a great is, is a day full of joy, full of appreciation, not just for moms, but for women in our lives. Hopefully, we all take some time today to extend our love and our thankfulness to the women we've had in our lives, whether they be teachers, grandmas, aunts, moms, whoever it is, whoever that woman is that has meant a great deal in your life. Please take some time to thank her today, whether it be messenger, a text, an email, whatever it is, take that time. Um, we, we, we know that, but we also know that today comes with a lot of different emotions, not just joy and appreciation. It, all, it can also be a day of deep longing for some women. It can also be a day of sadness for some women and, and, and men as well. Missing their mothers. It also can be a, a day of unfulfilled desires and unfulfilled wishes. And we pray with you. If you are in one of those categories, we pray with you. We support you. We love you no matter what. But today we offer that love to all mothers, all women, understanding those diverse ranges of emotions. Because this is a special day. And that's exactly why we're talking about Mary. Mary, the mother of Jesus, her journey, as any mother can attest to, is one full of busyness. And today is going to look a little bit different because I'm going to give you a biography of her life from what we know from Scripture and then try and tie it into what it, what it means for men and women and kids and anybody else in the room in 2023. Okay, So her role as a mom, carrying Jesus from infancy to adulthood is right there found in scripture. And we're going to explore that and why we chose slip-ons today. Mary, the mother of Jesus, is mentioned several times throughout the New Testament. We know the story because it's the Christmas story. We know that you know, the angel comes and she rides the donkey to Bethlehem and there's no room for her in the end and we know all of these things. But have we really looked at her words? She's actually mentioned in all four Gospels by name. That doesn't happen for all of them, not even all the disciples. And she's also even mentioned in the book of Acts along with Jesus' brothers. However, it's in the book of Luke, in the Christmas story, that we get to see the kind of woman, and at that point in time, the kind of teenager she was. So let's open our Bibles to Luke chapter 1, Verses 26 through 30, and that's where we're going to start today. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. A virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Again, realities. Let's go to the next slide. There we go. All right, realities of children's ministry, you never know who's pushing the button back there, and so it, and you never know what slide you're going to get. 
Okay, so you guys are getting a good taste of children's ministry today. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. That's pretty cool. Wouldn't that be pretty cool if an angel showed up to you and said, Hey, you're pretty favored by God. Sounds pretty cool, but she didn't know what it was all about. But we know the rest of the story. We kind of know what the angel says. Hey, you're going to give birth. She asks why or how. And we get all of these things of the angel lays out the Christmas story to her. And you're going to be the mother of the Son of God. What a high calling as a mom, as a teenage girl, to have that calling. But it's not, that's not where we want to fixate today is that calling. We'll come back to the calling here in just a second. But right now I want to fixate on what she says back to the angel. Okay, so we're gonna, let's look at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. What a calling. What an answer. What a response. Hey, Yes, I will. Whatever you want me to do, I'm ready for you. Okay, as a mother of Jesus, Mary's life then from that, that point forward was probably feel, filled with constant activity. She cared for the needs of Jesus and her other young children, ensuring their safety, nourishment, education, everything else you moms do. Mary's days were busy the daily tasks of the mother, cooking, cleaning, nurturing, but not just nurturing any young one, nurturing the Son of God. Can you imagine, moms, just imagine with me what the weight of that must have been on her shoulders. This is God. This is the Savior of the world. We should also probably mention uh, the part about giving birth in a stable. Now, my mom, my mom was a labor and delivery nurse for years and years and years. She did the night shift a few, year, a few years. And so I've even slept in the labor and delivery nurse as a kid as she was helping and giving, you know, doing what labor and delivery nurses do. I slept in the other rooms because she didn't have anybody to watch us at the time. And, and so that's not the way Mary gave birth. Then uh, she laid her newborn baby, the son of God, in a food trough. Again, not the way we do it now. Then, out of nowhere, shepherds show up, stinking like the shepherd's field. Stinking like the shepherds. Those are her first visitors. Not grandma, not grandpa. Shepherds. Then, some rit- a couple years later, some rich wise men show up bearing gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. That visit from the wise men sparked an international controversy, and they escape their homeland and flee to a different country because somebody's trying to kill their family. Was that how your motherhood started? Probably not. Okay. Then they move back to their hometown starting all over again. And then... These are the times we see Mary in Scripture. 
And then there's the one time where they're traveling for a festival. They go to Jerusalem as a family, as a caravan of their community. They're going back home and they leave Jesus. I, I, I know uh, there was one time um, us growing up, there was a Walmart right here and an Anthony's clothing store right next door. I don't know if you guys, maybe that was an Oklahoma thing, I don't know. But there was one point in time my brother and I went with my mom to Anthony. She was looking for something and my brother really wanted a toy. And my mom said, we'll go to Walmart after we go to Anthony's. My brother didn't like that. So as we're looking and probably crawling through the closed racks and different things, my brother disappears. He walked by, he's young, my younger brother, by three years. He walked out of Anthony's next door into Walmart and was in the toy section at Walmart. I still to this day remember my mother's face when we could not find my brother. Now imagine that face and that concern and that weight on your shoulders for three days. Not knowing where your son, who was also, by the way, the son of God, not knowing where he was. Amidst all that drama, we don't know how she parented, we don't know what her and Joseph did, but here's the result. In Luke 2.52, here's what we know. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. It's a pretty good parent right there. Amidst all the controversy, amidst everything going on, amidst fleeing from their lives, moving international moves, leaving your son in the temple for three days while you travel 90 miles home and then realize he's not there and then you have to go back, he grows in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And here's something I've learned because... I have five children of my own, and one of them is 19, and the youngest one is five. Here's what I've learned. It's easier to parent the five-year-old than it is the 19-year-old. It, it really is. You guys laugh because some of you know. Well, the same is true for Mary, because we see her again when Jesus is 30 years old. Okay, Guess who... Mommy is there when Jesus does his first miracle. He does it for her. Read, let's read John chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman. Now, I say it that way, time out. We do this a lot, don't we, kids? Time out. Let's stop. Time out. That is not a derogatory woman there. That is actually a term of endearment because we see it again the next time we see Mary. It is a term of endearment. It is not a derogatory, hey, woman, it's not, it's not our 2023 20, brains, okay? So we can't read it that way, even though I'm going to say it that way a couple times, probably. Woman, why do you involve me? Why? Mom, Why? I just got to spend the week with my mom. My mom doesn't get to, she's still a nurse, still does, doing great things, and she, so, and she works on the weekends and so doesn't get to come to soccer games and all the fun stuff that grandmas get to do. But she was able to come Monday and spent the whole week with us and, and, and left Friday morning. There were a couple times this week I said, Mom, what are you doing? 
why are you involving me in this? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. I'm not ready, mom. I'm not ready. But his mom, this is mom for you right here. Mom said, hey, do whatever he tells you to do. He's about to do something, so listen to him. Even though he says no, and don't we get that we tell our mom no in the act, and, and we tell our mom no, but you know, she's really right. We should probably do it anyways. That's what Jesus is doing here. And she knows it. She's the mom. She's the wise. She's the, she's the wise one of the bunch here. And so he does it anyways. He turns the water into wine, and the party continues on. So, one then might assume, because she was there at the beginning, she was faithfully there all the way through the next three and a half years. Whether it be constantly or whether it be intermittently, we don't really know. But we can assume, based on some things that are about to happen, that she was there. Okay, Because at the cross, he uses that phrase again, woman. And he instructs John, the disciple John, to say, hey, take care of her. And we can assume then from that point forward that because John knew who he was talking about, she was there somewhere through that three and a half years of ministry that he had done. And so she heard, she saw the miracles, she heard the profound teachings, she supported him wholeheartedly as moms do. In a world that demanded her attention, she managed to prioritize her commitment to Christ. Not to her son, but to her Savior. She allowed the busyness to be a testament to her unwavering faith. Because the last time we see her in Scripture is when the disciples, and this this points to her faith, and then I'll talk about my mom again. This points to her faith because after Jesus ascends into heaven, Guess who's with the disciples in the room? Mary. In Acts 1.14, here's what we see. When they, they all join together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. I remember my mom. I remember my mom reading her Bible. I remember my mom praying. I remember my mom, Sunday school teacher. I remember my mom making, uh, my mom is an artist. She, uh, she, make, she made precious moments, pictures for the bulletin boards at church. Anytime the church was there, we were basically there before the preacher unlocked the door. Like that was my mom. It didn't matter if we were in a, I, I grew, I played competitive soccer and we were all over the place and anytime mom went to tournaments with me if we didn't have a game at nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning we were at some random church down the street from the hotel no matter where we went we were at church mom was ready to go Mary was ready to go and that's what these convenience and ease of slip-on shoes do they're ready to go they allow us to step into them, men and women. We, I have Crocs that my wife would not let me get away with on stage. I slip into them and I can run outside and do whatever. Somebody had a bike wreck, somebody was going on, whatever it is. We can slip on them and be ready in a moment for action. 
Mary exemplified this to a T. She was there. She was ready to go. Whether it meant escaping to Egypt to save her son's life or accompanying him during his ministry, she was prepared to go wherever the Lord led her. And we need to be the same way. We need, to be a, we need to be ready to say, yes, I will. In our deepest valleys, in our highest highs, yes, I will praise the Lord no matter what. Mary's faith marked a deep trust in God's leading. She surrendered to her plans and, and the busyness. She, she embraced that busyness of being a mom. And that these symbolizes a couple other things too. And I want you to, I want just to take three takeaways today. Mary helps us prioritize our relationship with Christ. Remembering Mary helps us remember to prioritize our relationship with Christ. My mom did that. No matter what, what was going on. My, my sister played college basketball. I played soccer. And, and my brother did gymnastics and tumbling. No matter what was going on, my mom prioritized her relationship with Christ. I am a direct product of that. And it's probably a product of her mother and her mother before her. And my kids are a direct product of their mother prioritizing her relationship with Christ. Mary also helps us surrender our plans to God. We have to trust his plans, just like the song says. We're far, we have to trust that we are far greater than we can imagine. Some of us get into motherhood or parenthood or grandmahood or grandpahood, and we're like, oh, we're not very good at this. I'm going to fail at this. But God can do imaginable things, unimaginable things through you if you prioritize your relationship with him. So in Crossroads Kids, a lot of times we talk about reading our Bible, praying, do, worshiping, doing, just coming to church and inviting others to church with us. We talk about those things. We're surrendering our plans to God. And sometimes that might mean you're on your way to a Christmas dinner. And you see somebody on the side of the road who had a flat tire. This happened a few years ago to us. We were already late as par for the course with five kids. We're, on our, we're late to grandma's house. And there was a young couple that had pulled off to the side of the road and had a flat tire. Neither one of them even knew where the spare was on their tire once I got out and, and figured out what was going on. They didn't, know where the, they didn't know where anything was on their little car. So we changed the tire. It makes us an hour late. We missed this. We missed that. Nobody knows what's going on. But you know what? We surrendered our plans for God's plans. We had the slip-ons on. We were ready to go whenever God called us to. Was it a big deal that I changed the tire for them? Probably not. Did it screw my plans up big time? I'll never know what it meant to that couple and where they were. But it gave me an hour to encourage them, to talk to them, and to be there for them in their time of need. And lastly, Mary helps us find strength and grace in Christ. She found grace because, again, she left her son for three days. 
not knowing where he was, there is grace and he continues to love her through that. And we can find strength in the many ways that God provided for her. We don't know anything about Joseph. Sorry, dads. We don't know anything about him other than from the Christmas story. But we know God provided for her, Mary, all the way through. And even Jesus assigns the disciples, take care of my mom. She left a legacy. The life of Mary, the mother of Jesus, serves as a powerful reminder that amidst the busyness, we can follow Christ and give him our all. So what are you going to do to prioritize your relationship with Christ this week? Are you going to pray? Are you going to study the Bible? Are you going to worship? As we navigate the busyness of our lives, may you find strength, grace, and provision in Christ this week. May you know he's always there guiding you in every step. May God bless and empower you this week to wholeheartedly, in the midst of all busyness, because it does, it's not just parents that are busy. It's all of us that are busy. How are you going to prioritize your relationship with God? How are you going to have your slip-ons ready to follow after God's will, to say, I will serve you? Are your slip-ons ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish just by reading this, this song or poem, whatever you want to call it, of Mary that she wrote after she finds out she's pregnant, after she goes and visits Elizabeth. But I want you to focus in on the faith of this teenage girl and how she worships Christ through one of the most trying times of her life a teenage unwed mom 22,000 years ago and what that meant for her and here's her response and Mary said my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham, his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors.
For our communion, I want to read this scripture. It starts uh, Psalm 109, 103, starting with verse 8. It says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he has removed our transgressions from us. And in that verse, I think it's really good for us to remember that because what God has done for us on the cross is a giant. It's a big deal removing us from our sins as far as the east is from the west. Navigation people say, if you go east, you never stop going east. If you go west, you never stop going west. So if you separate our sins from us from, as far as the east is from the west, that means they will forever go further and further apart. But that's why we need communion. We need to remember that for ourselves. See, God separates, him, separates our sins from that for us. He already knows that. He remembers that well. But we forget. And sometimes we begin to embrace the accusations. Sometimes we begin to ignore the sickness of sin. Sometimes we crawl back to our iniquities. And sometimes we actually clothe ourselves with transgressions. We embrace the sin. After all, if God's forgiven us, then why can't we just do what we want? But that's not why he did this. He wants us to be better. He wants us to be like him. And so Today, as we get ready for our communion, let's remember all that he's done for us, who he is, all that we have done, what we've done to deserve punishment, accusation, sin. But let's also remember that dividing line that separates the east from the west. That's the love and compassion of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for our sins so that for eternity we can be separated from the accusations, from sin, from iniquities, and from our transgressions. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for all that you do and how you've done that through Jesus on the cross. And as we take this time to remember, I pray that you would help us to never forget each and every day as we're living our life to make decisions and actions based on what you want for our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, how could it be that my God would welcome me into this mystery? Take this bread, take this wine, now the simple made divine for any to receive.
mercy we come to your table by your grace you are making us faithful lord we to 